definitely be patient. You know, like it feels like it's come up really fast, but it's been a lot of work. Like there was the first three years, AJ and I both had a job on the side, you know, and that was like, it was tough. And so I think like, that's one thing is just making sure like you're, you're patient with it. And then also like celebrate the wins and celebrate the losses. Like I'm really bad at being very high and very low. <laughs> and, and I think like one thing, like if you do want to start something and, and build it bigger than yourself and have people working with you, um, I think you have to like make sure that you're good like yourself you have to make sure you're mentally good you have to make sure you're physically good and like those are definitely sometimes it's tough to get to the gym when you're like okay well I gotta keep working because this isn't done yet or this we're, we're still we still have so many goals and it's like there's always going to be something there Welcome back to another episode of the Rough Cut Club. I am your host, Joey Nakotra, here with my incredible, extremely talented business partner, Mr. Shane Reitzammer. Shane, how are you doing, bro? Doing good, man. I'm tired of this 100-degree weather here in Dallas, dude, Texas. Hundo 10 right Texas. now, actually. It's really, really hot. Too hot. Well, dude, this has been a crazy, hectic week for both of us, but I am excited to decompress in the studio for a little bit with one of uh, our very special guests who we have, who is one of Fort Worth's finest, uh, o- co-owner of 12 Midnight Production Company, welcoming to the studio for the first time, Mr. Dustin McLaughlin. Thanks for having me. That was a hell of an intro. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been getting that uh, kind of frequently, and I'm actually becoming really proud of my intros the right hype, now. The hype yeah. is good. It's 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 real. Well, well deserved. Well deserved. Yeah. He does Dude. dope work. Yeah, so Dustin is, uh, our paths crossed not that long ago uh, at the Fort Worth Addies, I believe, for the very first time, but I've been keeping up with uh, 12 Midnight and and some of the content coming out that they've been doing, and it kind of hit me out of nowhere. I was like, who the heck are these guys putting out this incredibly dope content that I have yet to hear about and just came out swinging, honestly. Sweet, yeah. Um, That's what we wanted to do, you know? Dude, Yeah. (laughs) I don't even know how long y'all been around. I want to get to it, but these guys just were like, yo, I got to connect with them because they're doing really cool stuff, and so I have been hyped from the sidelines to see all the cool stuff that you guys have been working on, man. Hell yeah, I appreciate that, man. But before we get into that, Shane, I don't even know if you know this. We have a really weird thing that connects all of us. He got engaged in Isla Mujeres. Come on. I did, yeah. Come you on. Did. Yeah. 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 Right, yeah. right on. The island of women. Dude, yeah. island of yeah. women. Yeah. yeah. So where'd, you, like, uh, where'd you propose? Um, at the, I think it was on the South South Point? Yeah. South Point. Like, yeah. Dude, yeah. same. Nice. I have a little video <laughs> from uh, 2017. Yeah, we have self shot it. Yeah, yeah. We, got, we got photos taken, and then we actually got, like, uh, we were in this one spot and we just got like a huge wave came up and just drenched us. <laughs> nice. Like, oh, perfect. They, they actually, the photos turned out sick. Oh, afterwards. that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Dude, yeah. how many times have you been to Isla? That was my first time. Oh, what did you think? I loved it. It was awesome, man. Yeah. Like, I've actually, that was my first time in Mexico, really. Oh, honestly. Great yeah. spot to go, so man. It was cool. Little yeah. hidden gem. Yeah. It's our, my favorite. Yeah. And they went down to, uh, in, in the caves, like down, like right where the waves splash yeah. up. Yeah. And uh, dude, it's just one of my favorite places yeah. in the world, man. For those who have never been there, 
It is the Definitely best place in Mexico that you can spend your vacation. Little four miles long by one mile wide island, and you just golf cart everywhere, and it's like the sickest, like cultural immersive experience for Mexico. Totally. Joey got married there too. I don't know yep. if we mentioned that already. Yeah. I got engaged, and you got engaged there. Yeah. That's insane. I yeah. know. So like random. <laughs> that I feel is like random. Isla's brotherhood. Yeah. Isla brotherhood right <laughs> yeah, now. Dude, that's yeah, it, that's it. So sick, man. Well, we want to dive into your uh, film career and your journey, man. So tell us a little bit about kind of what you're doing in the industry. Yeah. So right now I'm a co-founder and director, uh, still editor sometimes and, you know, all that at 12 Midnight. Um, So we are a creative and production company. Um, Currently we have nine, uh, including myself, nine people, including myself, my business partner um, on staff. Uh, We have all sorts of super talented people from designers to DPs to editors, uh, producers, creative directors, uh, all that stuff, VFX, you know, all that. So um, that's the that's the only thing that I'm doing now. So I've been uh, this is our fifth year business there. And so we started that um, in in 2018. And uh, it's been it's been quite a ride. So it's been pretty fun to to grow. They've been crushing it, man. I love all the stuff I've seen on social. And I saw you guys at the Addies. Y'all are doing fantastic work. I got to know, and I'm probably jumping the gun. Joey's probably got this question in there. <laughs> okay. 12 Midnight. Yeah. Name. I'm So name, origin, yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, why 12 Midnight? What's the story behind it? I mean, that's like one of the hardest things about starting a company is what do I name it? Mm. Everything sounds corny. Mm-hmm. And it's like, even when you're like going through the list, you you probably like skip over one and you, then you come back to it. 100%. Um, we were just actually, AJ and I, um, when we met, we were at an apartment complex is how we met. We were at mm. the same complex. Yeah. Um, so we had been friends for a little while and we started talking about the business and, and the idea around it and what we were going to do. And I was driving back from Iowa, which is where I'm originally from. And I was just thinking and trying to figure out this name. And one of my old mentors and and bosses, he had said, always told me, you know, burning the midnight oil, like just Mm. that kind of thing. And so I was just kind of playing off of that. And I was like, well, 12 o'clock, like 12 midnight is the time of day when a lot of people are, it's the morning the next day, but everybody like creatives, like, especially when you're starting out, Mm. you're staying up at that time. And that's when you get a lot of your good work done. And so, yeah, that's, and you know, there's a, a couple of other meetings there, but that's really like the main like concept around it, but it's when like AJ's a painter. That's when he paints, you know, uh, um, when I was like freelancing shooting and editing and stuff, that's when I would do that type of mm-hmm. work. Um, and it's when the best work comes out. So dude, there's something to that. Like as a creative, like once you get into that nighttime hour, like the creative juices just start flowing differently. Totally. And, and I've had to almost like rewire my brain. Like as you start getting up for all these early productions and stuff, you got to like wake up at like six, seven yeah. in the morning <laughs> and be creative. Yeah. yeah. And so I had to like change how I operate, but like going up through college, I remember nights just you edit to like five, six, seven o'clock in the morning and then sleep till 12, one o'clock in the afternoon. And it's, there's something to it though, man. There was a brief moment where we're like, should we just flip our hours? Yeah. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then then we're like, nah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to do that. So So like how, so do y'all actually like work into midnight now like quite often no i mean I very rarely say, yeah. yeah like if something's due the next day or something if like yeah. we have you know um sure. something that needs to get out we will stay a little yeah. later but midnight is like pushing Dude. it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah 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 i'd like finally switch over i'm like asleep by like 10 10 30 that's now. what i'm yeah. trying to do too yeah, yeah. yeah. it feels I'm, better but i'm an old guy i'm in bed by nine but i got yeah. i got a kid another kid on the way yeah. but nine o'clock i'm lights out by like nine thirty. Uh, 
Yeah, it's six a.m. Thing, live. Though, it's great, up. man. Yeah, I, I had to flip it too. I remember, you know, 2010 is when I started, and then uh, it was like I remember those late nights, and that there is something to it. But I so enjoy now, like I'm sure you guys do yeah. too. Once you flip over, you're like, "That's great! Yeah. I have my evenings. Yeah. And I can yeah. have a wife, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have, a, have a family." You yeah. know, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, dude, tell me about um, some of the early days. Like, I want to hear like how you got in to the filmmaker that you are today. Like, you're now a director, and that correct me if I'm wrong. That's like your primary thing that you do. Yeah. With Twelve. Yep. So like pre you being like this director, what did you do in film, you know, leading up to making you qualified for that role? Yeah, totally. I mean, so like, I'll go back to college. That's really where it started. You know, I was in school. Um, my freshman year, I was at, I was playing at a division three soccer at a small school and I was kind of like over it at that point. And then I transferred back home, like to, to Cedar Falls, Iowa's uh, UNI, University of Northern Iowa. And so I was there for a little while in business and I actually failed out. I was like, I'm, I went to class not very often. Yeah. And I was Same like, less. you know, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I just really don't care, you know? And I was like, I don't really know what it is that I want to do in my life. And I'm at this point, I'm 19, 20. Um, so then I went to uh, community college, got in a little trouble and then came back and, and finished school. But I had, a, I remember having like a very specific conversation with my dad. And at the time, uh, a friend of mine, Ben Hegarty, uh, he now is, he films with Beyonce. He's killing it. Um, he was in the electronic media program at UNI and I kind of saw what he was doing and I was like, man, I, I really like that. And I think I'd love that industry. I'd like to get into that. I'm, I like to tell stories and. So I just was, I called my dad and I said, Hey, I'm, I don't know if you're going to like this, but I want to switch my major. And he's like, I don't really care what you do. Just get a degree, <laughs> you know? Relatable. And I was like, damn, I thought he was going to be mad at yeah. me, you know? So then I, I switched over. And so I started, went through that, uh, that program. And I mean, it was very tailored for like news and whatnot. And so I was like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do news. Like, I don't want to be in that world. So I started taking a bunch of electives. I took like a documentary filmmaking class. I took script writing class. I took like a class that where literally all we did was watch Stanley Kubrick films and take tests over them and critique them. Dope. Yeah, it was pretty, <laughs> and it was a night class. It was, it was oh, really cool. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, so I went through that program, graduated out of there. And while I was there, I started a, a wedding videography business on the side because nice. I was like, I just want to make some money. I want to learn my camera. And really that was like what got me the reps on the camera. Yeah. I was shooting every Same. weekend and it's like the lights constantly changing. And, yeah. um, and so it started off with like five weddings and then 15 and then 20 and it kept growing and growing. Yeah. So I was doing that. Um, and then while doing that, after graduating, I went and, uh, applied for a job at a company called Cartograph and they're, uh, a software for asset management for local government. So sounds really boring. Uh, the brand is actually was was really cool and recreated in a, a cool way. And so I saw the job, saw kind of some of the work they had done. And I was like, okay, well, I could get in with this and they have healthcare and I'm about to be off of my parents healthcare at the time. And I'm like, maybe I should get a job. Yeah, you know, and so I started doing that. And that's actually where I met um, my mentor and boss, Tom uh, Culbertson, and his business partner, Sean Murphy, they were uh, overseeing cartographs, uh, marketing and design departments. Mm. And so, um, I was there for a little while, made a ton of videos with them, created a couple of different video series. Uh, one of them was called how we work. And it was like how these people were using the software to work in local governments. Um, and they were, again, it's like making something boring, really fun and cool and interesting was like what the challenge was, you know, every single day. Um, eventually those guys ended up taking 
me and a few other people and starting their own um, branding and design agency. And so there I really like cut my teeth on everything. Like we did full productions where I was having to produce and I was having to, I wasn't actually directing at the time there. I was more so just kind of overseeing working with some other companies and some other guys um, and, you know, bringing in the talent and getting the film crew and doing a lot of the production side of it and then editing it as well. So I was seeing like all aspects of, of filmmaking at that point and especially from a commercial standpoint. Um, so yeah, those, those commercials were really like the first time that I was able to like get a bigger, larger budget production. Um, and then, yeah, moving, I got, I got tired of it, burnt out and I quit or, well, I, I met my fiance. She was my girlfriend at the time and I moved to Texas hmm. and, uh, I was like, I'm, I'm tired of just always making content for other people. You know, I did this cause I wanted to do it for myself and I feel like I've not ever gotten that chance to do it. So I quit and moved to Texas and switched my careers and started selling cabinets of all things. Hmm. Um, Whoa. Yeah. And then I was here for about a year and a half and I was like, I miss it. And so I started doing it all over again Dang. and started uh, 12 midnight with AJ about a year and a half after moving here. So how did you and AJ meet and how did, how did all that relationship kind of come together in 12 midnight? Yeah. Birth? So we, we, I moved here, uh, and we both moved into an apartment complex and it was under construction and it was me and him were like, I think maybe there was one or two other people in the same building. There was nobody at this place yet. And the pool was like empty all the time. So I'd always see him walking by and every day I was like, he's walking by with bags in his hands. He's going shopping. I'm like, the hell does this guy do? <laughs> you know. And so I was like, I'm walking my dog. He's walking his dog. Our dogs were about the same age at the time. And, uh, I was like, Hey, what's up? I'm Dustin. Just wanted to introduce myself. Like I've seen you a couple of times. Uh, I don't know anybody here. Like yeah. I knew a few people here. And so, uh, that night he was like, yeah, if you want to come grab a beer, let's go grab a drink. And so I did and went out with him and his wife and, um, met them and we became really good friends. And AJ was at the time working, um, as a financial advisor, personal financial advisor for, um, uh, for a, a like private firm, I believe. So, uh, yeah, he was working like three hours a day and we, uh, now we, now we work like 30 hours a day. So, but yeah, that's how we met. And that's original, like the original, like starting of 12 midnight. I mean, we were just literally genuinely friends. We had the same art interests. We had the same music interests, movie interests and all that. Um, and at the time I was like, listening to a lot of Gary V. Yeah. Uh, he was blowing up then. And he said a line of, of something along the lines of find somebody who is really good at what you're not. And the financial side, it's not that I'm not good at it. It's that it just doesn't really interest me. And I think, you know, that's, that's something where it's like, I know AJ had that experience from a financial advisor perspective that he was good with managing money. He could understand that. And so that was one of the the early things. Um, but now today, I mean, you know, we're trying to get AJ out of that side of the mm. business. It's more strategic, you know, from, we want him to be more strategic and less in the weeds on the numbers now. So you definitely put like a little, um, <clears throat> golden nugget in there with like, just making sure that the person that you're going into business with, uh, it does stuff that you don't yeah. because so often people do, they find someone who's, uh, another version of themselves and not the other half that they need for the business. So that's super cool. I've, I always say that Shane and I, 
uh, have that where everything that I hate doing in, in video production is what he loves. Yeah. And I it, wouldn't call it love, <laughs> yeah. but I, somebody has to do you it. So do I'm it. jealous yeah. of it. AJ right now. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I want out of the weeds, man. <laughs> right. which we're working on that. Yeah. yeah, but it's cool, man. And you got to have somebody who is able to support you in the other things so that you totally. can do, you know, what you're meant to do. But that's awesome, man. Um, so a couple of things that you, that you mentioned, but one, I, I want to get into um, the, the, directing that you're doing now. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you had a really extensive background. You did weddings, you did, you know, you worked for the agencies and whatnot. You guys, what, give me, give me the date that y'all started your company really quick. Uh, I, and I always like kind of botched this a little bit, yeah. but I'm pretty sure it was like October, 2018. Yeah. So it was like the end of the year, you know, yeah. and 2019 was really so, like and our first year, year, like and, a full year. And that's not that long ago. Like that's four, four years ago. So yeah. I want to know, like you have, such an impressive roster of things that y'all have directed right now. Um, how did you go about like building that initial clientele and then scaling it to where it's at now? Yeah. I mean, like I said, when I moved here, I was like kind of over making this just generic yeah. brand stuff and like nothing against any of that. Like it was, it was good. It was fun. It was awesome. But I was like, I want to do something more interesting. I want to do music videos. Like I really was into music at the time. Uh, when I had left Iowa, I was doing a lot of, uh, I was shooting a lot of photos uh, for Codfish Hollow. It was this barn in Maquoketa, Iowa, and they had Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, yes. Dinosaur Jr. Like there were some pretty cool acts that came through there. Um, and, and I was able to photograph them. So I was really into music at the time and shooting music. And so one of the first things I did when I moved here and got a camera again, I started uh, just Googling like up and coming musicians in Fort Worth yeah. and sending out DMs. And there was like one person who responded and that was Abraham Alexander. Mm. And that was really the first, like, um, you know, it was, it wasn't a big budget music video, but larger artists that that's, yeah. you know, he's now is, is much bigger. Um, but Abraham, um, at the time that was when we did the stay music video yeah. in the pool. And so, um, yeah. And then I just, from there, I mean, meeting Abraham and becoming friends with him, opened up a couple of doors in the music industry. Um, and then also, uh, just other like creative groups and stuff. I started just putting myself in these different creative groups and trying to get involved and meet people and go to events. And, um, Fort Worth has like a really cool arts film scene and they do a great job of, of having events and, and making it inviting. And you, you can come in there as an outsider. You could be from out of town and you could feel like super welcome. Somebody wants to get to know you. What do you do? What are you good at? And Southern hospitality. Yeah, it's, it's cool, man. So yeah, I think that was really like where I started, you know, uh, there like with Abe and then uh, there was a place called Black House at the time. Um, they, it was literally a house that they painted black and they had parties and all sorts of different things going on there. So I just met a lot of the people that were there, a lot of the musicians, a lot of people that would be on stage and whatnot. And so, yeah, I just started connecting with them and yeah, that's, that's really how we started doing that's it. Sick. Yeah. Dude, I watched the Abraham music video. Um, and I was really impressed by it. And I wanted to ask like, even just how y'all y'all did it, like with the pool, the underwater scenes, how you went about directing that and, and what went into it. Yeah. I mean, that was also like super nerve wracking. Cause it's like, there's two things. It was, it was not a huge budget, so we didn't have a big crew. And Abe is like, you know, at this point he's like, I'm all in, like whatever we got to do to get the shot. Like I'm there for it. So I was like, okay, well, I'm, this is my first directing debut for something of this like caliber in music. And we had 
floaty rafts that we were using as like dollies. We were, you know, we had one light, like the, um, the, the underwater shots, we put in like a $65, $70 water housing bag. And it was, you know, we put this, this was AJ and I getting a credit card, buying a camera and buying a lens and buying a gimbal and like maxing out the credit card. And then we're like, let's put it in a $65 bag and see if it, <laughs> see if it works. So that was like really nerve wracking. But once we like saw what we were getting, it was like, man, this stuff looks so cool. Like, you know, you would never tell by like the quality of that video that that's what went into it. Man. <laughs> yeah. It looks really well dialed. Thanks, in. man. 4 a.m. I think was the call time on that one. So. Golly. <laughs> yeah, y'all had to have it like actually dark in in the pool so that you could light it up and get that. Dramatic. Yeah, I mean, sun, we needed the sunrise, like the, the biggest thing. Yeah. And that was like it was all natural light. And then we had one like 1K light, this yeah. old school like. It was not even, I think it was like a tungsten light. It yeah. was just like, yeah, it was not great. It just worked. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was fine. That's awesome, man. So I also saw that y'all did a, a music video with Avery Burke too. She's actually yeah. like a childhood friend of mine. Oh, we, really? We grew yeah. Up together. Cool. So yeah. I saw that come out. I was like, man, they're dude. Uh, yeah. Like, I love Avery. Tight. She's, she's awesome. Yeah. She crushes it, man. She's been working hard uh, at what she does. But uh, so, so is music videos the main thing that you're pursuing? Like if you could just choose any path to go down, is that like your bread and butter? That's a great question. And we get kind of like that stigma is that that's all we do. Yeah. But I think really like we want to make brand films like we want to push the envelope in the creative space um eventually we want to do film like our own films uh, original content um original movies original short films uh it's just like right now it's stair-stepping and the music side is just one of those like fun outlets that you get a break from some of the building blocks you know that you have to to get you to that next level um there's always going to be some of that work that you don't want to do maybe until you get to that spot. So I think like, that's really what, what we see is like, we're able to use techniques that we wanted to try, or we're able to flex a little bit of, Hey, we know we can do this thing. These people that do these brands don't have this budget, but let me go show them how I can do it and then sell it mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I would love to, if I could just make a ton of money doing music videos and just do music videos, I'd love that. But I, you know, I don't know if that's the reality or not, but, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think we, we, right now we're, we're kind of doing all of the, the brand work and stuff as well too. So TX whiskey is one of our big clients and really, um, one of the, one of the things that's broken us into not only the spirits industry, but from a branding perspective as well too. So. Yeah. And I saw y'all had that video, that behind the scenes video from that shoot. It went like oh, yeah. semi-viral, like yeah. <laughs> in the like film, like community space. Yeah. Um, dude, it was so sick. Anything like from that shoot that like stands out? Cause that was, that was a really cool behind the scenes. Y'all took the dolly yeah. and then it goes top down. This is um, the one I sent you, right? The video I, yeah. I think I sent he you? sent yeah. me this and yeah. I was like, dude, this is 12 bro. Yeah. Like, this is so <laughs> sick. I'm like, Oh yeah. They're in Fort Worth. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have, uh, we have a couple behind the scenes videos and that's one thing that we try to do is, is really because then like from a client perspective, a lot of people see those and, and enjoy those more because then they can actually see like what we do. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of, again, back to the original content 
side of it. It's like, we're trying to make our own original content, um, with the behind the scenes videos. So on that one in particular, that was the TX holiday shoot. Um, so this was something that we had come up with, uh, as a, as a team. Um, and we had a lot of our, our whole team working on this thing, but we had a big crew there and I mean, it was a decent sized production. Um, so the shot that you're talking about, we had a Fisher dolly and we didn't have like a crane or, you know, we didn't have anything else. And I was like, "Ah, I wonder if we can get this like shot of her running around the bar and, and the camera comes in like kind of eye level or maybe even below and then comes up over top and, and, and goes over top of the drinks and then she can make the drinks. We could ramp through this and it could be a really cool shot. And I was talking with Tony, our grip. Um, he's, he's a badass. Tony Thomas, there's actually a little highlight reel of him in the, in the full behind the scenes of him rigging up the, the, the dolly. But we were having like so many complications with that shoot because there was a lot of locations. There was not, we didn't have enough set designers on set. We, that was our fault. We didn't put enough people there. So like we learned like that was a mistake. We should have had two groups of set designers building out this room and then building out that room. And so, um, there was just like, we were already behind at this point. And then we start going to this shot and I'm like trying to get the super technical shot. And, uh, Dylan, our, our DP was like slipping. He's, his feet were slipping cause the fisher was getting up so high up and you're starting so low. Mm-hmm. And so then, yeah, Tony came in to save the day and like rigged up this, this foot, uh, peg for Dylan to kind of brace himself. But yeah, I mean that shoot went over went about two hours over wow. into overtime and so like we we try to avoid that as much yeah. as possible <laughs> yep. um and right when we wrapped up that shoot it started like raining super hard and mm. so it was like just problem after problem but i think like what we took away from it was like we can solve problems like mm. as a team um we just have to keep like a level head and there was definitely like some stressful times like there's a moment where i'm like you yeah. know i'm like oh my god like are we even gonna make it through this yeah. thing um but yeah, I mean, I think like that's just having a team behind you, like you feel one, you feel obligated to like step up and like, you know, take the moment and, and make something of it. And then two, you feel like you can step up cause you have the support team around you. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely a tough shoot, but it was one that I think made us like better as a whole. Yeah. I, go ahead. You. Oh, I was just going to say, I love the, that face that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got, I, you know, I feel like I try, so I do a lot of directing, producing yeah. for our company, and I try not to ha- like have people read my signs. But Joe, we can read them, and so we were on this uh, hospital client set, and we were do- working with a bunch of young children, and I was just, I was having the worst time <laughs> yeah. trying to direct like seven or eight five year olds yeah. that they gave rough, me. Dude, Kids and Joey rough. just looks at me and goes, "We're gonna make it." Yeah, and I'm like <laughs> cutting all my shots, and I'm like, "Yeah, the video's gonna be." Tw- 10 seconds long. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That, that, that feeling, was a man. shot that I said we have to, like yeah. in the video, I'm even like, if we don't get the shot, we're not going to have enough. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. was like, we have to have this shot. Mm, so so if we go over, we got to do we it. Got, we'll pay everybody. Yeah. It sucks. We won't make as much money. Hey, we saw it. We were sharing it. We were <laughs> yeah. like, this is dope, man. Yeah. How do they do this? So yeah, we had right. to ask you on the show. <laughs> That's cool, man. So so I love that you had like the vision for that shot that you were like, I want to bring this to this film. So talk to me about your process. Like when you get a script or when you get, you know, a spot that you're doing, talk to me a little bit about the process of how you go about crafting your master vision for that individual project. Yeah, that's a good question because I think that that's – something that everybody does a little bit differently, but some people are still like struggling to find how to do that. And I think for me, like I 
I feel like editing was my strongest is still my strongest, one of my strongest things. And so that's what I've, I've really leaned on to like help tell a story. And I think everybody that is some sort of filmmaker should go, uh, like write script, shoot, edit, and do your own thing for your, for yourself. So you can see all of those different aspects of it. But I think like my process is like now I, we start talking about a video concept. Like I see the edit, like Mm -hmm. I can already see what's, what's happening in my brain. And so it's just like being able to like sit down and put headphones on and put it on paper, uh, for me and just like say, okay, this is like, I just start gen- with generalities. Like this is a wide shot. This is, you know, a close up. This is an extreme close up. And then I'll go in back through and be like, okay, I want to be more detailed about now what is the framing and then what is the camera movement to get us to that frame? And so, yeah, I just kind of like, I, I envisioned the, the edit in a, as a whole and then kind of work backwards from that and say, okay, I need to just start shot listing this thing. Um, and then lo- obviously looking at the script and like lining up where the shots should, yeah. should come in. But well, and I actually think that having a background as an editor makes you better at every role in a film production. Totally. So like if you have done extensive amount of editing, you're going to now shoot with the edit in mind, which if you've never edited a film and you're shooting, like there's a disconnect between knowing what you need as a shooter operator definitely, and then knowing what the film needs for the final edit yeah, and knowing what you don't need. Right. Exactly. I, can, I can lose this shot. I can lose this shot. Still have my picture. Totally. Yeah. Which happens all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I got to mm-hmm. cut this cause we're going to run over on time, right. mm-hmm. but I can get away with it. Same with directing though. Like knowing like in an edit, how things piece together because you've done it, it helps you tell a better story more effectively, more efficiently, utilizing your time better, your crew better, and the resources that you have for a project. Totally. Yeah. That's cool, man. So uh, just in uh, both of you guys are directors, so I always love talking (laughs) with directors, but um, what do you feel like, like makes you unique as a director that, you know, you tell story, like what about you helps tell a unique story in your directing style. This is a tough question. Yeah, that is really tough. <laughs> but like, it, you know, it's like, I, <laughs> I, 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 I think about it even for me, like as a DP and it's like having a background. Cause I, I did weddings too. Yeah. Um, uh, we all have I think lots it, of comments. Yeah, I think, Isla, yeah. wedding. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Editing. But, yeah. But I actually think my background as a wedding <clears throat> videographer is one of my competitive advantages um, as a DP because you're forced to do so much quick thinking on your feet. Totally. Um, by doing events that happen like with high stress, high pressure, one, it happens once, um, getting really comfortable at doing those, I feel like I can work faster on set as a DP because I. I've had to work faster for a lot of my run and gun career. Yeah. Um, and I also feel like being a skateboarder has helped me, uh, as a DP because the way I think about things, um, you know, I think from a, the, the, the background of having to fail a thousand times just to land like one thing, hundred percent. And yeah. so like that persistent mindset is something that I feel like I bring to, uh, to filmmaking. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I'm like, what, what unique background do you have or what unique perspective or or what's even important to you in a in a film right because certain things are more important to other directors than other directors so what in your from your perspective what do you give to films that you feel like makes them really unique yeah i think and i think one thing is is that i've always just been able to like you know direct or like help people understand what the goal is of something. And like, I'm quick to understand what somebody else wants 
And so I can be like, okay, rather than we don't need to have a 30 minute conversation about this thing. Like, just tell me what you're, what you're looking for. I'll get it. I'll make sure that I'm getting yeah. it from you. And then I can get that information to everybody else. I was also like, you know, growing up super disciplined. I was in wrestling, uh, like my whole life. And that was like a very, you know, tough sport. Um, and there's a lot of discipline. And I think that that also helps me like sit down and, and be like, okay, I need to figure this out. I need to plan this out a little bit because I want to make sure that when we get to set, everybody feels comfortable and it doesn't always happen that we get every detail, you know, planned out. But I think, yeah, one, one of the things that like why people would want to work with me or why they would like my style of directing is, um, you know, I think I work well with others. I don't, I'm not like, this is how we're doing it. I'm like, Hey, here's the thought any ideas um i want opinions and i want people you know so you're very collaborative 100 yeah yeah that's yeah. cool because i know some directors they're like very tight with their vision and you know they don't want a lot of outside noise but i think it's cool having that collaborative uh especially conversation especially with like your dp yeah. and and your gne crew and everything and even your editing team in advance and just knowing like what's possible you got to trust like others around you yeah. and like let go of control and I think that's something that I've been able to more recently kind of figure out and, yeah. and do. It's hard. Yeah. Especially when you do it all yourself at the beginning, it, like everybody does in this industry. And then you have to be like, okay, you can handle the camera, but this is kind of what I yeah. would do. You mm-hmm. know, and it's like, it's really mm-hmm. tough because yeah. you're just like, you, you have to trust the people around you. And I think that's like one of the other things is just like letting the people, the department leads yeah. <clears throat> communicate to their departments and let them kind of add their little spice of what they want to to the video i love it man well one of the films that you directed that i was super impressed with pressed with was the chase rice music video i didn't direct it oh you didn't direct that i was a producer i was executive producer okay so kaiser cunningham was the director okay yeah beautiful man well i still want to i still want to learn about it because that was a really impressive project and it looked like y'all just crushed that film uh and y'all dropped it right around the side right around the same time that we had done a Western commercial, uh, the NFR, yeah, 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 yeah. The oh, NFR yeah. commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to know like what went into that project and how y'all made that happen. Yeah. So, I mean, Kaiser actually, and I met through a Facebook group called black with no cream and Ben Haggerty, the guy who I mentioned earlier, he's the one who started that. He was on tour with Beyonce at the time, mm. started this creative group and it became like this, it was very like, um, underground at the time they were starting this podcast and they were having all sorts of really cool creatives in there posting their work it's kind of like a discord Hmm. and um i met kaiser through that and so we were just kind of chatting back and forth about work and he was just kind of starting to get into the industry at the time years later he's like creative director for chase rice and we were still in contact and he's like hey we want to shoot a music video in the stockyards Um, And I think like two months before he was actually here with Chase for a show. So I met him down in the stockyards. It was the first, I'd been talking to him for like two, three years. First time we met in person. Mm. And so um, I met them down there and I was like, yeah, well, you know, like we'd love to do it. Uh, If you want to bring it to us, like we'll be the production company. We'll executive produce it. You can direct it and we'll handle all the logistics and we'll make sure that everything's there for you. So that was honestly like uh, at the time we had just finished uh, a production for the Clyburn which is a piano competition in Fort Worth. Mm. Um, It's like the Olympics of pianists. It's a crazy, crazy thing. And so we were doing this, we had already just gotten this big production. We had two uh, film crews running. We had five people in the post side, you know, and we were contracting a lot of this stuff out. So like felt very confident in our ability to build 
a, a solid team around this thing. And so, um, like what we had to do was Kaiser sent us like a one pager and it was, here's what I want. And, you know, I looked at it and I was like, okay, but like, we need a lot more info. And so we just started building out a deck of what this, you know, what the cinematography could look like and what the lighting could look like and where the location opportunities are. And so there was a lot Where'd of work. Where'd you shoot that, by the way? Uh, we shot it at a place called The Brand Room in nice. on Exchange Avenue. Um, nice. The Brand Room has like three little spaces. And I saw it and I was like, this could be really cool. Like it's it's gotta be 1800s. So mm -hmm. there can't be any neon on the walls, you know? Like yeah. it has to be very old school. And they had like some brick or like brick and mortar type, you know, interior. And when we got in there, Dylan Rucker, the DP of that, he was actually from Nashville. He's very, very talented uh, DP. Uh, him and Kaiser, they're like, we're going to just use one room. And I was like, okay, like that's, I thought you guys could use the two rooms, you know, maybe, but they were like, we're just going to use one. And I was like, and in my mind, I'm like, man, I don't know. And then we started working through it and started setting it up. And I, this was like letting go of control. You mm -hmm. know, I was like, mm -hmm. I trust him. You know, he's very talented. So and you know a few minutes in we start setting it up i'm like okay i see it yeah. you know i get it and so yeah like on that our our team we had to crew out uh between cast and crew there was about 50 to 55 people wow. on the whole thing so i mean the production insurance the Huge. you know massive things that were happening and then like all these guys show up that were in 1883 <laughs> and like they're already dressed mm. you know we have wardrobe <laughs> we have hairstylists we have makeup we have like full crew and some of these guys are in their full fit at like six in the morning, you know? Yeah. And we're like, we're not shooting till noon. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay, well, sweet. But then like they got a gun on their hip and I'm like, yeah. okay, we got to like check all these weapons. And that, yeah, I didn't yeah, think yeah. about this, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was like, now we got to check all these weapons. And um, that was a one take shot too. And so there was so much walkthrough. Um, we pre-lit the day before. Uh, we had like a quick meeting about what the blocking would be and then the walking the walkthrough We did that without chase multiple times Then we brought chase in to do a walkthrough and then we started doing takes and I think we ended up taking it 21 times wow. um, And I think we had actually used like the 20th take we just did the yeah, you know the safety. one for yeah, safety yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I mean it was like it was a challenge because you had to get people to move out of the way and then there's a whole scene where they come together and do like a little line dance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we had to move all, like all the extras are pulling tables yeah. out of the way. And it was just a lot of coordination and, and shout out to Carolyn Bailey, who was our first AD on that. She was, you know, on her shit that day and she was just killing it. And we got out of there like two hours early. That's so, so sick. That wow. happens as well. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> to make up for the time. Yeah. Two hours yeah. late. Exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. So. Dude, that's so sick. I, um, I want to know like how you approach doing music videos in one room. Cause I feel like that's such a challenging thing to keep interesting, especially when you go from like after the first hook to the second verse yeah. and still like keeping an audience's attention. So what is your advice for like holding attention for an audience in a music video on that second verse when you're only in one room? That's a really good question too. I think that is like more so like just keeping the thing moving, yeah. like keeping movement. Like we had every time the camera would go to a different spot, 
these people in the background or on the side or they have to be in character, mm. you know? So it's like, Hey, you didn't take that shot. You need to take that shot when the camera yeah. passes you, you know, um, the guys throwing down the, the cards at the poker yeah. table, the guys talking about, you know, kind of getting into it over the, over the middle of the table. And then there was like a whole fight scene. Yeah. And you know, when Kaiser told me the idea, I'm like, you're out of your mind, bro. Like this is not going to work. Like there's no way we're going to get this all done. But, it, but like, as we just kind of kept talking through it and I'm like, there's no way we're going to get this dance thing. It was super easy. Like yeah. once we actually figured out what the plan was. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think keeping, keeping that interest was also like on Kaiser for, you know, he was the one directing that and making sure like, okay, Chase is going to be starting sitting down and then he's going to stand up. He's going to have a cigar. He's going to walk through here. He's going to hang by the piano for a second while the guy's playing yeah. and then the camera's going to go off of him and go around the table. So then it's like we put Chase in a different spot. And so yeah. using every corner, every angle of the room and like getting him off camera sometimes to kind of put him in a different mm. location and like build up to that. I love that. So, yeah, I mean, it was, again, like Kaiser and, and Dylan Rucker did a lot of the, the creative work there. And I just, you know, was there for a sounding board for Kaiser and, and the team. So. That's awesome, man. Well, I think a lot of, um, one, it was a super impressive video. So hats off to your whole team, but I want to, I want to, there's a lot of our listeners that love doing music videos like all of us. Yeah. Um, but they're not filming chase rice music videos yet. And so what, you know, we've all done like the indie run and gun, like music videos and whatnot, but what advice do you have for people coming up in the music video space who are trying to make a name and make interesting videos, what advice would you give to those people who are trying to break into the music video game, but they don't have a budget of that size? Yeah. I mean, um, we, we recently, I guess not recently, it's just not out yet. We filmed it in July of last year. Um, we filmed a video visualizer, we're calling it for Brandon Marcel. Um, he goes by the name of Marcel. Uh, his music, all of his new music is not out yet. And so we're waiting for that to release. But um, when we filmed that, like Marcel's not, he's not got a huge following yet. You know, he's really got killer music. The dude's one of the most talented artists I've ever met. And um, he's not got the budget, you know, and I totally get it. Like there's, I don't have the budget to make my own music video for $100,000 right now either. Um, so I think like what we did is we said, okay, we can film this visualizer uh, it's like one location. It's kind of like this specific take. I don't want to give too much away, but um, it's it's we we figured out this like looping situation of how this video can loop, and so like it allowed us to first we called in a lot of favors. So make friends, make friends with everybody in the industry that you can, and and call in those favors and do favors for others too to make sure that you you know you can get that and do the do the favors without expecting anything either you know what i mean and i think that's really like we're just genuinely we want to make cool shit and at the end of the day that's like what we were able to do with this is like every g and e person that was on it and every camera person that was on it they're able to like flex a little bit and so it took it from a 12 hour day to a six hour day and we're getting this one single take so we got a light one scene you know, we don't have to light multiple scenes and um, we can actually like sit here and focus on this. It had a really cool, that, that video has a really cool, long, slow zoom. And so there were some definitely like camera technicals that were happening through it. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that would be my advice is like dumb it down. You know, don't like, 
don't feel like you have to be like, well, we got to show them as a kid, and then we got to show them uh, in their in their high school, and then we got to show them at the skate park, and then we like that's what creates so much time and money, and so just find a space where you can make a story, you know, and make it in one spot, and and just make it more efficient, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, Love man, I, I I I hear this struggle. Uh, and we and it's good to hear because we've had this too. But like when we do a music video, it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna push it back and push it back. And yeah. So you're, I can't wait to see this video that you're talking yeah. about. When we had the same thing happen with a lot of different artists over time, and I think we might. I don't know if we still have one like in the in the backlog too that hasn't been posted. But we did like a six, you know, music video series, and we were so excited to show the work. You know, yeah. we're like, oh, this we'll. we'll be able to get attract more work like totally. this and then in the, dripped it you know over like a course of a year i felt like it was yeah yeah and we uh, had one shot in our reel that we put in there because yeah. i was like man we filmed it this year yeah, yeah. it's cool like yeah. i asked brandon i'm like man can we throw this one this one clip in here and he's like yeah that's cool yeah you know? so yeah that's dope. but yeah man and i think like that's the just you know making the the friendship connection too like mm. me and brandon are tight like outside of the music even if that stuff wasn't happening we'd still be friends you know <clears throat> and i think like that was really the the one thing that gets you to find those people like with abraham with brandon um you know i was able to get the the leon photo uh in yeah. his album and so like that was like connection from those guys to be able to get that bigger thing you mm -hmm. know and it, not even that 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 wasn't like a great payday either but it was like a really killer like thing for my resume you know yeah and mm -hmm. a lot of times the things that aren't a great payday can be the stuff that helps build your portfolio to help get you that next big payday. yeah and so like a lot of my my favorite passion projects that i did for nothing or i paid to accomplish are what helped get me into the door to shake hands with the right person to get the next paycheck yeah and so it's a it's a huge thing to and we were even talking about on our last episode um, you know, a lot of times if you are given an inch, like a creative inch, but you take a mile, even if you don't get paid for it, it will help give you the next project to pay you for the work that you did on the previous. Totally. One. And yeah. AJ, I mean, AJ, my business partner, he's really, really good at creating those relationships to get yeah. those, to get that work and then to keep it yeah. too. Like, I think that's one of the hard things is like keeping that work and keeping those relationships mm -hmm. because there's so many people out there making stuff. So it's mm -hmm. like, there's no reason that somebody can't just say, oh, I want 10 different directors to direct my music video, yeah. each of my music videos. But that's one thing that, you know, he's really taught me is like just making sure like you're, you're following up and like caring about the person that you're talking to, like actually give a shit about them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so cool, man. Well, uh, dude, you guys have built like a really impressive company. It's been really tight to watch it just from the sidelines, watch all the projects that y'all are doing for someone who is on the come up and looking to, you know, they're building their studio or they're building their indie film career. Do you have any advice that has really made an impact on you and how you've been able to just, you know, expand and excel your career, uh, for the next up and comer? Yeah, I think uh, definitely be patient, you know, like it feels like it's come up really fast, but it's been a lot of work. Like there was the first three years, AJ and I both had a job on the side, you know, and that was like, it was tough. And so I think like, that's one thing is just making sure like you're, you're patient with it. And then also like celebrate the wins and celebrate the losses. Like I'm really bad at being very high and very low. <laughs> and, and I think like, one thing, like if you do want to start something and, and build it bigger than yourself and have people working with you, um, I, I think you have to like make sure that you're good. 
like yourself. You have to make sure you're mentally good. You have to make sure you're physically good. And like, those are definitely, sometimes it's tough to get to the gym when you're like, okay, well, I got to keep working because this isn't done yet. Or this, we're, we're still, we still have so many goals and it's like, there's always going to be something there. Um, my fiance, she tells me, oh, this is one time uh, I had got free tickets to Kid Cudi at AAC. And like, I love Kid Cudi. Mm. And I was like, I, I don't think I'm going to go. Like, I'm so busy. And she's like, just go. Like, work is going to be there tomorrow. And so I was mm. like, you know, you're right. Like, I'm just going to go. So I did. And so it was like one of the most fun concerts. Like, it was super killer, you know. And I was like, I'm so glad I did that. So I think just like being there you know, being present like in your, in your life for your, whether it's your family or your friends or your people around you, but like not getting too lost in the sauce of like making this thing, you know, you got to step away from it sometimes and just like look at what you've done so far and, and just keep building it, you know, don't, don't get too caught up in like, oh, that was, that was tough. That didn't work out. Oh, that was awesome. Like, this is crazy. This, we're going to be huge. You know, like you got to keep it level. Love Mm. that, man. Yeah. That's, Definitely something that I've been working on this year is to try to get regrounded in just like friends, health, my personal, you know, mental health and, and all of that, man. You can't get lost in work to, um, at the expense of those things. Yeah. Although it's still a struggle. He did show up to the podcast today and told me he hadn't eaten in 18 hours. (laughs) I was like, Joey, bro, we got to get you some food. And then I'm over here like. Yeah, the gym thing hits hard because, like, since 2020, I'm still yeah. using the, well, they shut the gyms down. I'm using that. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so I can work the extra hours. So, yeah. anyways, but, yeah, I feel you, man. That's a great priority is so important. And like you said, uh, the experience, like, our, one of our uh, pillars is experiences everything. And like, yeah. so it's just enjoying the ride, too, right? Yeah. Like, it, you know, yeah. I love that you said celebrate the losses because that's really hard to do. And over the past several years, like, we just had – I won't say on the podcast what happened. We had this huge internal issue and, you know, we're laughing about it. We're like, dude, this is going to make a great uh, <laughs> bit in a TV show that yeah. we'll make one day, <laughs> yeah. you know? Totally. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing in our BTS videos that we always do is try to show some of the like not so pretty side, mm-hmm. you know, cause yeah. it's not all, it's not all no. gravy, mm-hmm. man. There's no. definitely tough moments and in, in, on production sets and it's a fast, it's a fast industry. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's like, you have to be a little like, you know, we see all the cool shit that happens out there and we never, we're not sitting there like, okay, like everything that we do is perfect. There's yeah. no way. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. So no, right. it's right. very relatable, man. Well, before we get to our final five questions that we ask every guest, what is next for you, man? What's, what's on the goal sheet for you for the rest of the year or the year to come and, uh, any other exciting projects on the horizon? What's next for you, man? Yeah, we got, uh, we got a couple projects coming out. Um, there's one with Abraham Alexander and Wilder Woods that, uh, was filmed in studio. It was, uh, basically them recording this, this song. Um, they're labeled dual tones releasing an album coming up in October, I believe. So I think that's coming out in October sometime. Um, and then obviously like hopefully Brandon's video can come out whenever. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of other projects going on right now with, with TX and then with Pernod Ricard on the, the spirit side. Um, the alcohol industry has treated us extremely well over the years. Um, AWC, which is like their whiskey collective of all their American whiskeys. Um, we've been doing a lot of work with them too. And so, yeah, that's still, that's kind of where we're at. And then I, I'm sorry, what was the first? Oh, part just of the question? like, like goals for the rest yeah, of the year. The goals, yeah. So we just, uh, we just opened up <clears throat> our own space. So it's the first time that we've had not, we've not been in a co working space. Mm. So it's like, 
kind of not a step backwards because the place is killer it's kick-ass but it's like but there's only one bathroom you know what i mean like there's not a there's not a full kitchen so like we kind of got spoiled at some of these at some of these places but i think like that's really what's next is like we've gotten settled in there and so there was a pretty tough moment where we did get settled and we were like building this thing out as taking longer and we weren't like quite settled in yet and then we had two guys have uh babies back to back mm. a month one month apart from one another and so that was like just a really like tough moment to be able to like okay we're having to work through this we didn't know we didn't have a paternity leave mm -hmm. in place we had to figure that out you know mm -hmm. and so we did and like we we treat everybody like we try to make sure that everybody's like super happy at work like we work four days a week uh, Monday through Thursday, we're off on Fridays as much as we possibly can be. Um, we have 401k, we have healthcare, everybody's on a salary. Um, and so, yeah, we're just like, we're really, that's the next goal is to just like keep moving that thing forward and kind of get our sales back to where they should have been. Um, just from that little lull that mm. hit, but mm -hmm. yeah. Dude, did uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm sidetracking, but 2020 when, when COVID hit, right? Yeah. How did that affect? Cause <laughs> you, you kicked it off right at the end of 2018. 2019 you're probably going full speed and then 2020 happened and uh, i'm always curious like it ended up being one of our best years 2020 yeah because i think everybody knew that but we were doing a lot of brand and corporate and you know hospital content but how was how was how did the covid thing affect you guys as well yeah it was man it was tough like <clears throat> there was definitely like 19 was really we had a lot of success for, mm -hmm. but it was just aj and myself and we mm -hmm. weren't paying ourselves a mm -hmm. dollar you know everything that we had sold went back into the business i think at the end of the year we bonused ourselves out like three thousand bucks or mm -hmm. something you know mm -hmm. and so it was like we just kept all the money in the, in the business and then the next year we had like this south by southwest thing lined up and we had all this stuff and then it was like boom it was gone mm -hmm. it was like two hundred thousand dollars of business just gone mm -hmm. and that hurt us like you know we got we took a hit but we just timing wise it was like super lucky we didn't have any full-time employees at the time. It was just AJ and myself. We had these other side gigs that were a little like supporting us. And then, um, you know, we ended up end of 2020, uh, we got to a spot to where we could hire our very first employee. And so that would like, we've never been ready to take one of those expenses on like that, like a bigger expense like mm. that. But it was like, we need somebody to do this. So we have to take the risk like from a financial perspective, um, a smart risk, a calculated risk, but we have to take the risk to, to get there. But yeah, so then, you know, adding after that, it's been um, 2021 uh, and then 22 was honestly has been our best year of business. Mm. So we've just continued to scale. And then from end of 21 till now is when we've pretty much added everybody else. So um, a lot of everybody else came after that 2020 year. So. Yeah, explosive growth, yeah, man. Congrats yeah. in three years. That's Thanks. that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. Super, super cool. Well, it's been, like I said, it's been amazing to watch you guys from the sidelines. And uh, I want to respect your time and get you out of here. Before we do, we got five questions that yeah, we like to ask every guest. Cool. Man. So the first question for you is, if you could go back and do it all again, is there what is one thing that you would do differently in your film career? Hmm. If I could go back and do it all again, I think that I would... Man, I would definitely like, I would have went to 
like a film school probably more so than just like a traditional I was in, in sales. So I think if I could go back again, I would try to like just reset like where I want to be in my career. Like if I knew where I was going to be, I think I would have planned it a little differently. I might not have went to school right away. I might've even gotten into the industry. Um, but yeah, I think like if I, if I could start over, I would probably at least like just go start at that trajectory. Yeah. It'd make it, I'd probably be five years ahead of where I am now, you know? So, uh, but yeah, I think that's what I'd do. Beautiful, man. I love it. What is one thing that excites you most about the current film industry or market? I love like all the, all the stuff that's coming out, all the young, like cool, fun, exciting stuff that's coming out from film perspective to music videos, to brand work, like in all the companies, like especially here, like in the DFW area, there's just so much um, excitement and growth around film and television and, and production. And I think that's just cool because it's like everybody knows it's up in L.A. Everybody knows it's it's in New York. Like they know that those are Atlanta. You know, it's like yeah. DFW has that opportunity to become like the next like Atlanta. And Atlanta is mm. just even becoming more and more. Yeah, it's huge. And there's a huge indie like scene <clears throat> happening in DFW and Austin and, and like Houston even and some of these big Texas cities. It's exploding right now, and it's exciting to be in the middle of that change yeah. and be a part of it, too, yep. you know? Totally. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, what is one piece of advice that you can give filmmakers trying to grow in their craft or in their business? One piece of advice, I guess, uh, would be, like, I guess, like what I said earlier, is just, like, try to try to keep it level. Try to make sure that you, like, aren't, t- like, being too hard on yourself, but also take constructive feedback like understand that not everything you do is perfect and it probably won't ever be. Um, even to this day, I, I rely on other people to look at and make sure, Hey, am, am I making the right decision here? Do you guys think, do you feel this, get the same feeling that I'm getting from this cut the way we're cutting this or should we cut this quicker? Um, yeah, I think like take that constructive feedback and grow with it. Like every production that we do, we we're sometimes not very good at it because it's just tough to do everything, but we try to do like a, post-production meeting at the end to be like, what went well? What could be better? Mm. Um, Mm. It's never really like what went wrong because we don't want to like harp on like these bad moments, but it's like they're learning opportunities, every single one of them. Mm. And so I think make sure that you allow yourself like some brain space for that and some, some time to do that. That's a really good idea too. just doing that post-production, like debrief on like what could be improved. Yeah. Because not only does it set the rest of your team up for, like success to be better in that role, but it's going to make future projects just better overall when your team is getting constructive feedback along the way. Totally. And that's one of the things that we try to do as well. We don't do it in the form of a meeting. We typically just do like little like notes, notes on the project, yeah. but it's like, I've, I've seen those notes help our team grow yeah. and myself grow as well as someone who's actively on set very often getting the feedback of, you know, this didn't, you know, get executed as good as it could have, I'm going to be set up for success better on the next time. Totally. One of my things is like, if I make a mistake, like I never want to make it again. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, I want to know, and then I want to learn from it. And I want to make sure that I don't do that thing again. If that's what was causing the mistake, you know? So Mm. that's good, man. Uh, Where do you think that we are headed in the filmmaking industry right now or should be focusing on? Man, where are we headed? I think, 
I mean, it's like film in general, like it really interests me because I'd love, like, it's so easy to make a short film these days. Like it's not easy, but it's easy. You have the, the tools at your disposal. You have the people, you don't need a lot. You can use your iPhone. You know, there's, there's all sorts of ways you could go about it. But I think like, it's so easy to make something these Mm days that it's like there's cool stuff coming out and they don't have all the gear they don't have all the big budgets and so i think that's like what's really cool about the industry is like even just you know seeing some of these like big budget movies that don't have as big of a budget they look like they do just because of the way that the people executed you know so yeah i think that industry is like it is really interesting like you know the barbie movie just came out and it was like the highest grossing female director of all time like it's incredible like you go see that movie and it's like the set design was like all practical stuff like it was killer you know and so i think like that's what's so cool is like people can be ultra creative today Mm -hmm. because there's so much stuff around them so yeah i mean it's just like the sky's the limit it's it's definitely uh you know i try not to compare myself too much um to to other people because i feel like comparisons thief of joy you know Mm. and so i think you know trying to not look at something like the Barbie movie and be like, oh, I'm never going to be there because I bet Greta Gerwig wasn't ever like, we're going to make this massive thing when she was, you know, she probably had that thought in her brain, but she probably had the same thing that's going through your head. Like, man, we're just not there yet. Like we don't have those big budgets. So yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's so creative. It's crazy. Everything's just like at your disposal now. I love it, man. Yeah. Okay. It's a level playing field. I think that's such a, yeah. yeah. And so then creativity wins. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Creativity wins and storytelling wins. Right. Yeah. So now you can, it doesn't matter what you're using. There's just so much access to be able to be a creative and tell stories. Yep. hundred yeah. percent. I right. love it, man. Who is one filmmaker that you admire and why? Who's one filmmaker that I admire? Um, man, I think he was kind of a little bit of a, uh, a little rude maybe, but like, I mean, obviously Stanley Kubrick, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I took this class on him. So mm-hmm. it was like, it was crazy cool to see how his mind worked mm-hmm. and like he'd do these uncomfortably long takes and he would, you know, wor- he worked his, his actors to, a, you know, a bloody pulp. Yeah. Like, you know, there was like, th- there was a lot of uh, uh, like things that would come out about how many takes he would do. Mm-hmm. Like they'd get it on the third one and they'd do 68 takes, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think like that's one person, like obviously he's not here anymore. Um, like living uh, filmmaker. I don't know. I mean, Jordan Peele, like, mm-hmm. you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like if I'm, if I'm talking like about somebody like that, I think Jordan Peele, like he's kind of, done something different than your traditional he's shaking up the film industry a hundred percent yeah so i really love like what he's doing i love all of his films um yeah man he's so definitely sick. one jordan's it's been so exciting to see his trajectory and i feel like he's just getting started yeah like only made like what five films or something like that now but dude his films are out of this world well and so. i mean keen peel too was yeah like so killer oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. before that but it's so funny like how different the films are from the stuff that he used to make like in that like raunchy comedy yeah type, like genre and then yeah. he comes out with these crazy like super high intel like make you think movies and it just shows like his range as an artist and he's i'm excited to see the next movie that yeah he makes, for sure wait i gotta know since you took the kubrick uh class 
did he film the fake moon landing and we never went to the moon? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't go over that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's all over the media right now. Right, right, right. Yeah, pro- honestly, probably. Yeah, I've seen some crazy stuff yeah. recently. Now, they have some interviews from him. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It, it, it totally could have happened. I mean, like, if you look at, if you watch, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you could totally see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> sick, man. Well, dude, we have really appreciated your time, your wisdom, and uh, thank you for coming to the studio. It's been exciting to hear your story, and it's exciting to see what y'all are going to do with the rest of this year, man. Thanks for having me, guys. It was awesome. For people that want to connect with you, what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, at 12 Midnight, it's TWLV, the 12 without the vowels. So, uh, at 12 Midnight, pretty much everywhere. Um, but, yeah. So sick, man. Well, thank you again for dropping by the studio. This has been an amazing episode, and I will be signing off for Shane, the conspiracy theorist, (laughs) right, Zammer, on this episode of the Rough Cut Club. (laughs) Go to the moon. (laughs) 